here we go. Welcome to uh, Teachers Talk Film. I'm Pete Ray. This is my, uh, are you my co-host? I think you're my co-host. Co-host, yeah, whatever you want to call it. Protege, mentor, grasshopper. No, not, not protege. Um, Mitchell Main and fellow teacher as well. Uh, we're going to talk some movies, talk some films. Yes, sir. Talk a bunch of stuff. Talk some teaching as well. Um, so what's up? How's it going? Doing well, dude. Ready for break. Definitely. Um, been watching a lot of good movies. Um, one that we will talk about today. Um, ready to watch some more and get the podcast going. I know this was a, I think it's something that we've both been wanting to do, but just have not figured out the means in which to do it. And I still think we're kind of building the ship while we're steering it. Um, but yeah, it's cool to just actually do it and talk about some films. So glad to be here. That's a great, a uh, just teacher, teacher phrase, building the ship while, or flying the plane while we're building it or I was gonna say, yeah, it's actually, the traditional phrase is what you're, you're, flying the plane while i don't know you're building the plane while flying it i don't know you know you get the point something like that we we could change it we could say we're uh building a submarine as it's sinking or that's just our lives as teachers though exactly sinking emphasis on sinking yeah (laughs) yeah especially in march a week till spring break no doubt about it for sure um but yeah like you said yeah we kind of have been like talking about it but not talking about it and then finally we were just like we have nothing else to do let's do it um so yeah I guess I think what we want to do is first of all we want to talk about movies because we both love movies uh and yeah we definitely the both of us don't talk about them enough uh like I keep all my movie thoughts to myself and, and then it, sucks. it does suck. Or I talked to them about uh, with freshmen in high school and we're on different levels. We, we like different things. There's a few kids that like kind of are with me. And then the rest are like Venom's the best movie of all time, but whatever. Um, Did you not? So yeah. I've never heard a group of people think that Grown Ups 2 is the best movie. Like, a senior in high school would say it. And while I like the movie, it's like, okay. <laughs> it is. There's just so many movies that are, uh, <laughs> I would categorize them as not great. Maybe not even good that you ask a kid about. And they're like, Oh, that's the best movie ever. That's the greatest movie of all time. And I think that that is something that, I will battle till the end of time because it's like, it's okay to think that. Um, but it's also good to watch like what we watched today. And uh, that's very different from grownups too, I would say. 100%. It would be interesting to talk about like what lures a traditional senior kid into a film versus what would lure two film teachers who do a podcast into a film. But- yeah, we'll save that for a different episode. Yeah, that that could be that could be an episode all by itself. Um, t- 
talking about students, I, one of the things that we would like to do in the future is to like get some students on here uh, because like we just said, students definitely have a different idea of movies than we do. And I think that's cool. And as teachers, I think we definitely obviously care about what kids have to say and getting kids to talk about movies is awesome. 100%. And just doing the film class, you and I both teach film studies. I try to show kids the films and ideas that they wouldn't get from their grownups too, in that same vein. Um, and so to bring a kid in and hear their perspective, but then also to talk and share our perspective on the same film, it would be cool to see. And yeah, you touched it just talking with kids. That's why I got into teaching to talk with kids. And as much as I love literature and films, that's what I like at the end of the day. So I think this is another good avenue for that. So yeah, super stoked. Like I said, we're in the infancy stages, but we'll see where it takes us. Yeah. Uh, let's just talk about that real fast. Uh, I like just our, kind of our background. I, we're both English teachers, met in college, uh, had like not all the same classes, but a lot of the same classes together. And today I teach freshmen in high school and only freshmen. Wolf. And yeah, I teach uh, English and film studies is definitely the best class that I teach and the most fun for sure. 100%. Yeah, I'm, I teach English as well. You, you mentioned it. I don't think we actually ever saw any movies in college together. It was a lot of 2K and a lot of uh, just talking about whatever we were reading in class. But I don't think we were ever talking movies. Um, but yeah, I know. Go. I, like, yeah, we, I, well, I wasn't even like really watching movies. Like I watched them right now back then. But yeah, we definitely just talked like sports and how not how weird the people we were in class with but us two in like the English major realm I felt like we did not fit in which is one of the reasons why I feel like we're friends me and you in a room with 14 Betty Sue's it, we're just in the back just yeah wearing our LeBron James jersey classic Vince Carter jersey yeah it, it was cool, though. It all manifested itself to this, though. Um, I was going to say, watching films, though, it has kind of grown in a sense where I, I've i always been watching films. Like, going to movies as a kid was always my escape for fun. Like, I'd rather do that than go play laser tag or something. And then high school, you just... I fell in love with, like, the idea of stories. And literature was the avenue for a bit there. But then after college, mid-college, I would say, really getting into um, like the art of film and then progressing into being a film studies teacher. Um, just off the record, we did not go to film school, so um, we are no experts by any means, but we, we're just two dudes who love film and love literature and like to talk about it. So, yeah, I think it's a 
it was a divine intervention that you were wearing that Vince Carter jersey the day I came in with my LeBron James jersey. And I was like, I'm sitting by this kid. So. <laughs> That's exactly how it was because you. I just walked into that room and was like, oh, man, I don't fit in here. And then it was, oh, yeah, <laughs> I fit in with that guy. I'm going to talk to him. Uh, my my journey with movies is kind of different than yours because I wasn't all that into movies in high school or even early on in college. Like I remember I, I didn't really go to a lot of movies in high school. I remember in maybe middle school, start of high school, whenever the second Transformers movie came out, I went and saw that at midnight, Megan Fox, Shia LaBeouf. And I went and saw like some other ones in theaters, but I definitely did not watch like a ton of movies that came out when we were in high school. And then in college, I wasn't watching too many until I took a film studies class. And like you said, just learned, okay, there's, there's a different way to watch movies and it's really cool. And then I, I don't know, I was hooked from there. Uh, just learn about like cinematography and all that, all that stuff. And now I'm, I think I'm addicted. I can't, I can't get enough movies. They're awesome. Yeah. You pick your poison heroin or films. I think you chose the right one. I like, yeah. Well, how you mentioned like the art of it, uh, the social commentary piece is huge for me too. Just like when films were made, what was going on culturally and like how the film then is a reflection of that world. Um, you look at like do the right thing, Spike Lee's film, um, which is one we'll have to do at some point. Um, For sure. yeah. And just tying that with the art of making the film and just the set design and everything that's placed on screen. Like there's nothing better than just sitting and watching a film and talking about it. Sign yeah, that's one of my, go ahead. Really quick. Um, and for the audience of none that's listening, you make sure that you YouTube Shia LaBeouf Sway in the Morning Freestyle. He can rap, dude. Seriously. Okay, I don't think I've seen this. Yeah, I'll send the link to you. It's it's impressive. Like, I'm not even joking. Okay, and then while you're looking at Shia LaBeouf Sway in the Morning, the best Sway video of all time is Kanye West. <laughs> uh, and the... The fact that we've been, how long we've been recording? Maybe 10 minutes? Yeah. And I hadn't mentioned Kanye West. Like, that's pretty impressive for me. So go watch Kanye West, Sway in the Morning. You don't know the answer, Sway. <laughs> I've seen it many times, many times. Um, I've Yeah, all this stuff has been going on with Kanye. You talk about manifesting things. It's He's been manifesting some things. And I've you're a big Kanye guy, and so I'm going to hold you to it. Um, where are you at with your your yay fandom at this point i am i'm worried man i'm worried about him i i mean i really don't care about any celebrities at all except for kanye west so all of that energy of caring about any celebrity at all just goes straight into kanye west to connect it back to movies. I watched, uh, I don't know, did you watch the Kanye documentary? Genius? Oh, yeah, I watched all of the episodes. The last episode was like hard to watch. He's, 
he's just rambling about he's talking about bowls and like talking to his dad about i'm gonna go look at some bowls and he's just i don't know he's crazy so that made me definitely like open my eyes a little bit like he is a genius i do think he is but at the same time he's really got some issues going on and uh obviously those are continuing today he's I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I do like the Instagram videos with just the white wall behind them, just talking about whatever, whatever comes to his mind. Dude. Yeah. And we joke and we laugh about it, but it is sad. Um, no, it's so sad. Dude. I was telling, I was talking to my brother literally like an hour ago on the phone about the genius documentary. And I was thinking back to like when through the wire came out and like young Kanye grind and like he was so cool and he's he's a genius he like you said he's a genius he's got some things going on but that like those first two episodes are super inspiring like um just seeing like how no one would take him seriously how he was only viewed as a beat maker when he obviously could rap and he he was literally like one of the only people that believed in him and like yeah there's that phrase nobody loves Kanye like Kanye loves Kanye um like you see that throughout the first like real two episodes and I was like man if that could have just like if he could have just stayed with that vein of confidence and not breach over into what he's doing now like I hope he gets help um yeah yeah, at the end of the day I still love his music um I wish him all the best a lot of the things that transpired with him and Pete Davidson, like those text messages. Yeah, that was rough. It almost seems staged, man. It's just weird. It's like crazy that this is actually happening. Yeah, it's crazy. Those, like you said, those first two episodes, he just like believes in himself so much. And then to see now, like, the only reason he was successful is because he believed in himself so much. And now it's like kind of becoming his downfall because it seems like he won't really listen to anybody. Yeah, it's sad, man. It's sad. It's sad. It's the classic tale of hubris, bro. Icarus flying too close to the sun. Yeah. But it's my guy, Kanye. Yeah, I feel That's for That's rough, man. man. That's like <laughs> Tyler going crazy or Earl or J. Cole rest in peace mac but yeah like something like that yeah yeah all right that was kanye talk yeah we could spend a whole episode on kanye we could we might just have to do the whole documentary and really deep dive on it i'd be down i'd be down and the prime yeah. time um or whatever it's called the lakers series that just came out who oh yeah have you watched that I watched the first episode. I need to watch the second one tonight, probably after this. Yeah, I've watched the first one too, and I'll probably do the same thing. What do you think there? Quick thoughts. I thought it was awesome. I thought um, – I didn't know Jerry West was such a jerk. Yeah, me either. That was definitely a big thing in the first episode. And I didn't know that was Jason Clark playing him. Yeah. Like Jason Clark, he's the one who plays uh, George Wilson in The Great Gatsby. He's in a bunch of other things to say to cite him from The Great Gatsby adaptation is a disrespect. <laughs> but 
That's what I remember. <laughs> I was like, there's no way this is the same guy. He did a really good job, but I didn't know Jerry West was that much of a jerk. It's got to be hard to play yeah, either. someone who's alive still and be kind of that jerk character. Yeah, I was thinking that while I was watching it. I was like, there's probably maybe zero chance Jerry West is actually going to watch this, but what would he be thinking if if he did? Yeah. I don't know. What did you think about it? Yeah, I thought uh, I thought it was good. I, I think there's like some weird uh, there's some weird editing where it's like super quick and like cutting to random things. But I kind of like that. And it also does. It's really cool how it does. I don't know. It's like regular. Like filming it and then it's they change and they switch and they film it through like it looks like a really old camera in some parts and. I think that's really cool. So I, I just like that they're doing something. It's already a cool thing that they're doing. And then the fact that they're throwing all this kind of different stuff on top of it, I really like too. Yeah, it's got the like the like the nostalgic, like documentary style footage to it. Yeah. Especially when they're like breaking the fourth wall, which I thought was pretty cool. Like the opening scene, he breaks the fourth wall. I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. So I'm yeah, it's quite the quite the opening scene as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, we won't yeah. talk about it right now. But. Yeah. What are we going right. to uh, Should we get into our movie? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, our movie for today is, well, I assume we're going to put it probably in the title of the episode. Absolutely. So I probably shouldn't do a big reveal. Like, you don't know what we're about to talk about. Um, but we're going to talk about Spirited Away. Um. Why don't you talk about just like your, I guess, your history with this movie? Had you heard about it? Had you uh, known anything about it? What do you think? So at the beginning. Yeah. So this film, Spirited Away, I, I've known about it for a long time. I will say I was surprised to see that this was released in 2001, um, being a six-year-old. Um, I feel like if I were to watch this when I was six years old, it would have been like one of my favorite movies. Um, yeah, but I didn't know too much about it. I heard about it from kids in my class, actually. Um, kids who are really into anime and things like that. And just like the immersion of Japanese culture in our world today is so prominent, especially with the young kids, which is cool to see. Um, but yeah, yeah, I heard about it from them. Um, it's been on my HBO like watch list for about as long as I've had HBO, um, but I've just never set aside time to watch it. Um, so yeah, this is an, that's another good reason why this podcast is good. It's just getting me to watch some of those films. Um, but yeah, I thought it was cool. Uh, didn't know too much about it. Like you'll read the description, I'm sure, but um, yeah. didn't know anything about it until I literally watched it and I was blown away and I'll talk about it later, but yeah. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, I'll read the, the uh, synopsis real fast. A young girl, Chihiro, becomes trapped in a strange new world of spirits. When her parents undergo a mysterious transformation, she must call upon the courage she never knew she had to free her family. Like you said, is made in 2001 and the director pretty famous uh, for these types of movies anyway, Hayao Miyazaki. 
sir. And yeah, my uh, my background with this is kind of the same as yours. Like, I feel like a lot of kids talk about um, Studio Ghibli or Ghibli, or I don't, don't know the correct pronunciation there. So I'll just do what the cool kids do and call it Studio G. Mm-hmm. Um, kids talk about it a lot. Not like, I don't, I feel like it's not super popular. I'd say it's more popular with kind of our maybe nerdier students. Uh, not that that's a bad thing at all. But yeah, I definitely heard about it. And I've seen some other ones. And I I honestly kind of kept spirited away. Like I didn't, I didn't want to watch it because I, it's just one of those that I feel like everybody loves. So I didn't want it to be like the first Studio G movie I watched. So I watched some other ones and then I just never got to it. Uh, and then, yeah, finally watched it and definitely glad I did. And I'm glad it's the first movie we're going to talk about. I think it's the perfect first movie. Um, I really uh, appreciate just the film. I didn't know, and this is probably going to sound stupid. I didn't know it was PG. I thought it was more on the 13 side. Um, but I think that's part of just the exposure that I've had to like Japanese media in the world. Like you talk about like your demon slayers and things like that. Like I was expecting a little bit more of that. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. I would say, I think this film does a lot of good things. Well, um, like the target audience that it was trying to reach, I'm sure was met successfully. So yeah. Well, why don't you talk about something that you felt it did well or just something you want to focus on? Start us start us off here. I'll start with there's a couple things and I'll circle back to some, but I really wanted to start with just the opening of the film. Um, like right away, you're pulled into this lush green world. Um, it's kind of the the archetypal family road trip or family moving to new world. Um, You see sort of the um, angsty little girl character and then the parents and obviously like their control over the kid. And I thought that was cool. There was definitely like a sense of relatability there um, with a lot of viewers, I'm sure. Um, one thing I really liked, uh, at the beginning was when they enter the new world and they basic, the father's like, um, it's an abandoned theme park and they go check it out and they just randomly come up across this like delicatessen food place, whatever you want to call it. That was the wrong verb or adjective, whatever. Um, but just this place where there's all this food and then I love the dad. He walks in and he just like starts sniffing everywhere. And he's, he's just a hilarious character. And he goes and he grabs um, like the three plates for himself. Like they see this food and the father just goes and grabs this three plate. Like he doesn't even question like, hey, why is there just this random like restaurant with fresh food here with literally nobody here? They're just pulled in by the food. Um, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but then obviously we see Shahiro go on her own journey after that. I thought in short, just the opening sequence was very relatable. 
um, and comical and it made me laugh and it pulled me in for the rest of the film. The rest of the film did get a bit more serious and it was executed well. Um, but I think that opening sequence was crucial. The, uh, the dad's aggressive sniffing out of the food. I, I, I noticed that too. I was like, this, like, he's a dad for sure. I feel like dads have that sense. They could just like, there's hot dogs on the grill, two houses down and I can smell them. Uh, but yeah, you, I like how you mentioned it. the parents, they just dive in on the food right away. And, uh, Chihiro is just back there. The kid, like, what, what are we, we doing? Um, but yeah, I liked, I liked how quickly we were in like that new world. I felt like maybe five minutes in they're yeah. driving in the car and then we already cross into, they go through that tunnel and they're in this different place and you're there for the rest of the movie. Uh, that was awesome. It was just quick. Uh, so yeah, I really liked that. It was like, it's touching on like the escapism that I think is crucial for younger audiences too. Like we're probably like 26 year old dudes are probably not the target audience for this film, but yeah. we can pull a lot and like this film. Um, but that like escapism that the viewers introduced to right away is going to be attractive for the six year old Mitchell main watching this film. <laughs> yeah. And like literally, and the world is just so crazy and, maybe that could be a talking point but just it's so unordinary unorthodox every character is unique in their own way um Chihiro seems very um kind of vanilla in the beginning like the traditional um moaning little girl that doesn't want to move but her transformation is awesome um so yeah you're kind of pulled into this film right from the get-go yeah, and kind of going off of that, I feel like anybody who watches this movie, one of the things you have to talk about is just what the world that she gets pulled into looks like. From the like location of it to the like light and dark in it to the characters in it, it's just like you said, unordinary and I said that this was probably one of the most beautiful or like visually striking movies I've ever seen. And that scene right after you were talking about uh, when she's like off on her own and then she meets the, the guy Haku. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, you got to get out of here. It's going to be dark soon. When it goes from light to dark, they just, it, the whole movie ramps up so quickly. Yeah. You have um, the the lights going out and then like the little lanterns coming on. So there's like a little bit of light and then the spirits start to pop up in the stalls. Uh, you have that boat, that shot of the boat coming across the water with like the lit up city behind it is awesome. Um, and then once, Man, it's so crazy when all the spirits start getting off the boat. Just the imagination and all the different looks of all the characters. They're all like original to themselves and they all look awesome. All them coming across the bridge. That's just a, an awesome scene to introduce us to. We're, we're not in Kansas anymore. Dude, yeah. And the scene where I really noticed that was 
when um, Haku is basically escorting her over the bridge and she has to basically hold her breath or else they're going to detect humans. And she has that breath because that little frog comes up and stalls him. That little frog's hilarious. Uh, he's like one of the most ordinary characters, the little frog with like the little kimono. <laughs> I love that kimono he's got on. But on, anyways, um, yeah, when she breathes and like all the spirits realize and the creatures realize that she's there, that like the chaos emerges. Yeah. And yeah, we're not in Kansas anymore. Like she has to escape and she does so much like scale climbing on the buildings and things like that with like the backdrop of everything and the whole film like I just want to like you could literally pause it at any point and like get that and post it on your wall or something like it's just so beautiful to look at yeah um even like you have that scene and then she goes down into the furnace room yeah, dude, the even, even that, it's just, it, it's so different from what we just saw, where it's like everything's bright, and then she's going down the stairs, and it's all dark, and then uh, she meets Kamaji with like six arms, and he's sitting there on the wheel, and uh, the difference between those two things, and that they managed to pull both of those things off, and they look amazing, both of them. Uh, like I really love that scene where she goes down in there because it just looks it looks so cool but at the same time it's different than what we just saw dude I love that scene and I've seen like it memes or something of Kumanji's character like on Twitter or something before watching this film yeah and this shows you how much I knew about the film I was like I have no idea what that guy's from but then when I saw him I was like oh I've seen him and the six arms are crazy. I thought he was one of the cooler characters. Like he has uh, so much development in his character without ever leaving his post. Like he literally never moves. I don't think in the whole entire film, but you see him kind of start out as like reluctant towards helping Chihiro to ultimately being able to help her like with the steam bath and things like that. Um, I was going to ask you what you thought about the little, like what because he kind of gave me like a spider vibe with the multiple legs or arms or whatever those little spider-like creatures like do you think they those were like created by him or like descendants of him I don't know I, that was interesting to me yeah that's one of it I I hate to say the word lore um but it does seem like there's lore behind this movie because at one point he says like they're not doing what he wants them to do. And he's like, do you want to be turned back into soot? Yeah. So like, yeah, I think we do ask that question. How, why are they, they doing what he wants them to do and what are they and what were they before? So, yeah, I don't, I don't know where they came from, but yeah, that's cool. Just to, that they even like put that in there that they've, they've come from something and they could go back to being that thing that they seem to not want to be. Yeah. And I love how they were, uh, like so supportive of Chihiro, um, right at the beginning, like they, um, held onto her shoes for her and like, they wanted to like, basically just show their love for her. They, she waves bye to them as she's walking out. Like that was a cool little touch. I thought. And they're like, they're yeah. jumping up looking at her. Yeah. That was cool. Um, 
Yeah, Kumanji needs his own spinoff, I think. He was such a unique <laughs> We character. need the uh yeah, we need the origin story of Kumanji. Yeah, that would be sick. How he got to be on that bench sipping his teapot and spinning his wheel and his extendable arms reaching for it. that I really like that about him that his arms are just like infinity long reaching for all the drawers. Yeah, he was insane. He yeah, he was he's just the dude. He's the dude. Yeah. And he's got that crazy awesome stash too. Yeah, dude, the, the stash. That's literally what I was just saying. The stash is so sick. Um yeah, that's going to be us this summer. Summer stash bros. Um, yeah. I love his character. Yeah, his transformation was really cool. A lot of these characters transformed into just likable characters. Um, this is kind of a good segue to introduce Yubaba. I think I'm saying that right. Um, he yeah. basically tells Chihiro that um, Yubaba can give her work. And so that was another really cool scene, too, where she's like she's going up the elevator of some sort and she's like pulled in by Yubaba um, into the, the room and she's like pulled through multiple uh different rooms to get there and like each different room has its own sort of aesthetic to it that was really cool um and then when i saw you baba i was like what in the world uh what were your thoughts on her like how do you perceive her i thought that it was i don't know why i think this i think it is perfect that they made her like an old woman because I, for some reason, I feel like if I would have watched this, like you said, your six-year-old self, her just being an old woman with that giant head and giant nose would have freaked me out. Yes. So I don't, I don't know if I, I just have a fear of really old women um, <laughs> or, or what's going on there. But I, no, I just thought like, yeah, if I was younger, she would, she would scare me. Like she's, she would freak me out. Just how, what she looked like um, alone. She has that like witch complex to her that you can, they're definitely trying to get you to think that, yeah, with that elongated nose and even her voice, it's very kind of like, it's like sinister. Um, Yeah, she has the control in that world. Um, Yeah, definitely a witch thing. I think you're probably right. There's some deep seated, that might just be a human thing. We we don't like witches. Uh, That might be it. One one small thing. I don't know if you noticed this. This is later on in the movie when Chihiro's like trying to climb up into her, like into her room, into the castle. Mm-hmm. And Yubaba's like flying back as the weird eagle thing. And she's got like it looks like she has purple sunglasses on on her face. Yeah. It's like it's like a five-second thing, but I was just like, where? where have these sunglasses been the entire time? They're just all purple all the way across her face. Uh, it was just, I don't know. It was, she's got the pit vipers on um, flying back to the castle. It was weird. Yeah. Those bird characters were weird. There was the moment like right in the middle of the first act where um, Chihiro's like, I don't know if she's like chased by one of those birds, but do you remember that? It, it looked like a crow. It, it's obviously like Yubaba or whatever, but um, Zaniba, which is something I want to talk about too. 
but yeah that again just otherworldly creature her hair looks like a dumpling to me like one of those dumplings that you would eat yeah doughy things <laughs> her hair was just i don't know i loved everything about it and her nails dude oh yeah just yeah like... <laughs> well you mentioned uh creatures and i feel like that's definitely something we got to talk about um because there's I guess there's two main ones that I want to talk about. The first one being uh, the the like wind or not the wind, the river spirit. Mm-hmm. And they think that it's it's that scene in the bathhouse. They think that what do they call it? A stink? They call it a stink spirit, I believe. Yeah, the stink spirit. Yeah, they so even herbal bath. Yeah, even that by itself, just the stink spirit and it slowly walking over the bridge. And then it coming in the door and you can feel how bad it smells just by everyone's look on their faces. And even uh, Yubaba, her like voice changes because she can't speak right. Uh, So, you know, if she's affected by it, everyone's affected by it. And then it's like ooze fills up everything. That alone looks cool. And then when they pour the water on him in the bath and he turns into that weird wooden mask pops out in like the steam oh my goodness man like that looks so cool and then it gets even better because he turns into that stinking dragon and that that scene where the dragon is coming out the door and you keep expecting the dragon to end but it's so long it just keeps going and it's flying super fast that that scene all together the stink spirit to the river spirit dragon thing that was my favorite scene it was just so cool to watch that thing turn into that turn into the mask and then blast out of there i love that part dude when that well yeah when the spirit came like it i immediately was thinking like crash bandicoot vibes like that one like little wooden head that would always like protect you uh in the game like that it's immediately where my mind went I thought that was a really cool moment in the story, um, obviously visually too, but like it's like the the minor victory that Chihiro um, wins over Yubaba in that moment um, because she's able to basically cleanse this stink spirit, um, which, yeah, was just, I could smell it through the screen, like you mentioned. Um, yeah. But yeah, and you mentioned it too, like Yubaba was genuinely afraid and like obviously dreading this spirit's entrance. And so for Chihiro to step up and, you know, kind of literally wash it away was really cool to see. Um, yeah, and that's like, yeah. like right in the middle of the story. That whole, how do you interpret that building? Like, what is that building? It's like a spa slash restaurant slash whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I get. Yeah, I mean, mainly bathhouse, but yeah, you're right. There's food. There's Yubaba's like castle is at the top of it. Um, but again, just what a cool way to to show all these different spirits interacting with each other. Like, there's one. There's like all these weird looking ducks just sitting in a pool together. Um, and the fact that they made you hero walk through all these different places and go up the elevator with that giant white fluffy 
I don't know what we want to call that, but just that she had to like experience all that. And we got to experience with that with her. Like that was great that we could see, like see all those creatures and spirits again. Uh, Yeah. Those creatures, I think the, whoever all hands on, on deck that made this film were just like, okay, what can we do just to make sure that kids just don't look away from this um i like some of the familiarity they bring to a lot of the creatures too like you'll see like some of the chefs kind of have like that like italian mustache look to them and like (laughs) they have the little like chef's hat on and like there's like those that like humanistic element to some of the characters but then some you're looking at you're just like what in the world like this is just so bizarre but i think i love it (laughs) yeah the uh the other creature I think we got to talk about because they've got a big part in it is the the no name. Yeah, the no which face. Which is that, yeah, the, oh, no face. Yeah, no face, not no name. Um, the, the mask mixed with the like no body, but at the same time has legs and is like this weird shadow thing. The design of it is awesome. And then the way that, I don't want to call him a he because I don't know what he is. Um, The way that it's introduced where it's like popping up in random spots only every once in a while. And it seems like only Chihiro can can see it. And then it's like helping her sometimes. And then all of a sudden it's eating the frog guy and then it's eating other people and it's turning into this crazy thing. I thought both, yeah, the design of it, that mask, the shadow mixed with how it slowly becomes part of this, a main part of the story was great too. I love that's outside of Chihiro. The no face is probably my favorite character. Um, it's hint. Yeah. It's like just subtly hinted at like when she's crossing the bridge in the first act, like it's there. Um, and, and it's like one of the least colorful characters, which draws attention to it even more. Um, it reminded me of the Scream character from the Scream series, just by the look with the face, or rather lack of face. Um, but yeah, it's sort of just like teased a little bit throughout. And you think of it, or at least I was when I was watching it in the first half, like as this like villainous character that was like, gonna be Chihiro's downfall or try to play part of. But then Shihiro meets it like um, as she's entering the bathhouse or whatever you want to call it. And like I was thinking like, oh, no, this is where it happens. And then she like she's like welcoming it in. She's like, oh, I'll leave the door open. And then and then it just comes in. And then that's when it starts eating uh, like it eats the little frog. My my guy with the kimono. Um, (laughs) But I think that scene in that like specific introduction with the character eating all of those uh, creatures is like further reinforcing Yubaba's like authoritarianism, I guess, because I don't know if you picked up on it. There is like a moment in the scene or in the movie where um, I can't remember who says it, but it's something to the likes of evil things happen in this place. Like once the no face enters the building, 
like that's when he starts enticing all the creatures with the little pebbles of gold and then eats them. He doesn't do that outside of the bathhouse. And like you mentioned, Yubaba lives upstairs. And so I thought that was interesting um, to see that he's kind of doing this obviously terrible thing, but only within this constraint or this setting. And then also not necessarily enticing Chihiro, I thought was interesting too. So I, uh, I don't know if I, I was like kind of reading some stuff about just spirited away in general. And I think I watched a video or two and one thing I can't remember where it was. Uh, one thing that somebody said about the no face is that the no face like by itself doesn't really have a personality or even like thoughts in general. It like feeds off of what's around it. So when he goes into the bathhouse and all these people are like super greedy and want the gold, that's what the no face then gives them. And then same thing at the end when the no face goes and visits, uh, what's the, the sister's name of Yubaba? Yeah. When they go there, it like totally changes because it's, it's being treated with like kindness and, um, Zaniba wants its help. So it's just like a mirror of what's around it, which I thought was like, I was like, oh yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Somebody way smarter than me said that. So I will not take credit for it. I love that. It made me think it's kind of like um, the nature versus nurture debate. Like, are you a product of like your genetic inheritance, if you will, or are you, a product of the world around you. And then that would obviously defend the latter. I think that's really interesting. I never thought of it that way. I was thinking along the lines of like what this film's trying to tell us about like good versus evil. That was one thing I wrote down, like the conception of good versus evil, because we see a lot of characters do bad things in this film, but also a lot of good things to say it simply um like haku he um steals like the little golden it looks like a little usb drive obviously it's not yeah uh, but he takes that and so like it's like this greedy this like lust for greed if you will but then he also sort of has his revenge at the end or like his saving at the end um the no face obviously does the terrible things um, but then he obviously, or it obviously, um, really yeah. <laughs> self of it. Um, but no, I thought it was a cool commentary on like how we should view people and see the good in people. I feel like Shahiro was able to do that towards the end and that ultimately helped her get her parents back to where obviously then they were not pigs anymore, which was a weird scene. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I can't believe we haven't talked about the pigs. So we'll have to touch on that at, at the end for sure. But going off what you said, I that's one of the things I really focused on too, is just how how hard it was to trust any of the characters in the, the entire thing. Um, all the good ones are doing bad things and all the ones that you think are bad, like even they do some some good things like you baba she's not evil all the time like she's not she's not terrible um 
like we said, she's afraid of the the stink spirit too. Um, she's like she's kind of nice to some of the workers at the bathhouse, but at the same time, we know that she's not doing the best things. Haku, um, there's a scene where Chihiro's like, does Haku change during? Are there two Hakus? Like, is he different during the day versus in the night? Is he? Who is he? We don't know for sure. Same thing with the no face. Sometimes he's this meek little guy sitting on a train. And then, yeah, he, he eats three people. So, yeah, I, I thought that that idea was cool that good and evil is like blurred in here. It's, it's hard for even us. Like we're 26. So it was hard for us to watch it and be like, who's who's the good guy and who's the bad guy here? Uh, it's not that simple, which is, I mean, for a kid's movie to do that better than... I don't know, 90% of the movies that come out today was, I was like kind of blown away by that. Yeah. The fact that I was questioning things on like that thematic level for a PG film made for kids in 2001 was really cool. Right. (laughs) Can we just talk really quickly about, and we don't need to talk about it, but just acknowledge rather the scene where um, they're leaving the bathhouse and the no face is, regurgitating everything that it had eaten (laughs) dude there's like 45 seconds where it's just walking and it's just vomiting like on screen for like 30 seconds dude i was laughing so hard at that scene (laughs) well i was i was about to say yeah like that's definitely a uh put in there a kid's love when people throw up like throw up is funny um but to hear that you're laughing about it at 26 must mean that uh, it's uh, it's not just a kid thing. That's that's real. another. Humans are afraid of witches, and we love people throwing up. Yes, that was the uh, the only positive of the new Kevin James movie, Home Team. That grows. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, you haven't seen Home Team. There's. Oh my gosh! How long do they just throw up on each other? it's disgusting. They throw up on each other for what seems like five, 10 minutes. It's literally probably like 58 seconds of just <laughs> throwing up on screen. Yeah. Not good. Just like uh, disorienting we... shots. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, moving from vomit to uh, <laughs> one thing that I really wanted to talk about was uh nature this movie and the other studio ghibli movies i've seen i've seen uh my neighbor totoro which i would recommend to everyone and the other one is princess mononoke which another just awesome awesome movie all of them in some way not just show nature as like awesome uh like spirited away i'll talk about it in a second just some great visuals of nature but they're all connected to nature in some way like they're saying something about nature and i had this thought like early on in the movie that first scene when we're not even in the new world yet and there's just it shows that giant tree Mm -hmm. with the uh like gate um below it or leaning against it i was like oh that tree looks awesome. Like just that alone. I was like, man, that tree looks cool. And then they enter into the tunnel and they see like that field and it's just grass. 
And then later on, the entire world turns into the ocean. Like that looks amazing. The rain looks great. Like that's when the stink spirit comes in. It's all raining. Then to find out at the end of the movie that Haku is really a, he's one of those river spirits. Mm -hmm. I was like, no way can that like to have that thought early in the movie for it to pay off in the end. I was, I was pretty proud of myself that it, it, yeah, it was just all connected to nature. And that's how he was freed as he finds out that he was this like river spirit. So yeah, I just love the way that they, they draw nature and that it looks, it just, it's so stinking beautiful is the only word for it. It just looks great. Uh, and then, yeah, it's all wrapped up into nature is who this guy is, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I was going to piggyback on that. Like the the interconnectedness, ooh, voice crack, the interconnectedness between uh, like character and nature and like how when working together, both can flourish, essentially. I thought that was really cool. Like I can't remember the name of like the actual medicine, but like the medicine that comes from um the sea spirit or whatever um as like a healing source i thought that was really cool and also the wind itself is almost a character um and i don't know if that's japanese lore or anything like that but like there are moments where chihiro's on her journey and the wind is like guiding her along the way um i think you've played ghost of tsushima but it's kind of like the same thing where like oh yeah the wind is going to navigate you in that world. And like when you follow it and when you like take the signs that nature is giving you, good things are going to come. And so I right, just that- right there, the fact that it's in Ghost of Tsushima, that video game and this movie, it, we've, we've got to look this up when we're done because it definitely has to be some sort of like significance for sure. Yeah, I thought that was sick. Um and yeah, like just the interconnectedness with Haku and his connection to nature. And yeah, it's it's almost like a commentary on the reliance that man should have on nature, too. Um, which I don't know how you interpreted the last scene when they exit the world and the grass or the car was like just covered in that lush grass, obviously to showcase maybe that time had passed, but. I don't know. I, I was trying to dissect that too. Like what could the, an alternate meaning be of that? Yeah. And, well, I have a question for you. Did when they went into the tunnel in the beginning, wasn't there not as many like trees around the car? Yeah, there wasn't. There was, it was like, it was also like a lot of dirt too. Like the ground wasn't as green, but they go back and it's just, it's like surrounded by trees and grass and everything yeah no i i noticed that um i noticed it i i didn't even begin to think about what it could mean besides that yeah time passing which i thought was cool that the parents were like you've been gone for maybe a minute tops we didn't know where you were but to chihiro this kid it's been I don't know how long has she been there? A few days, maybe even a week. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was cool that we get to see. It. I feel like that's probably a a uh, 
trope in any kid's story is the parents have no idea what's going on. They're too busy uh, shoving food in their mouth. Yeah. Sniffing <laughs> <laughs> out the food in there. Uh, he was wearing like the classic dad fit too, like the baby blue collared shirt with the jeans. Yeah. I don't know if he was wearing the the new balance dad shoe, but I don't know. It the was, Air Monarchs, man. Yeah. Fire. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I liked that end scene. I don't know. Like just in terms of like the connection to nature that we were talking about with the car just being swarmed with grass. I thought that was cool. Um, yeah, they, they weren't upset by it. They were kind of just like perplexed. And maybe that's to showcase just the time passing. Maybe we're looking too much into it. Um, but I don't know. I like that whole nature human connection. Um, you wanted to talk about the pigs a little bit. Tell us a little bit about just how Chihiro does ultimately save the day in the third act and in the end and how we get a resolve there. Okay, this is actually, the, uh, this is, might be the only negative thing I'll say about this movie is I didn't love the, uh, I didn't love the like last, not the third act as a whole, but I felt like her going to see is it Zaniba? Why can't I remember her? Yeah, Zaniba. Her going to see her, like, I felt like that happened really quick. And then her coming back. And so, yeah, she has the test where uh, Baba's like, you have to tell me which one of these pigs are your parents. She says none of them. The contract's gone. She's freed. They all get to leave. Uh, I, I felt like that all that happened pretty fast, um, which is fine because we were almost at the two hour mark, like it needed to end. But yeah, that was the only thing that I thought went, went pretty quick. And the only real reason that I would like knock anything off of this movie. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, I kind of agree. I thought, and I don't know if this scene happens before or after the one that you just mentioned. I also thought when Chihiro was talking with Haku, um at the end like there's just like a random little tidbit where she's like oh i know you from the other world essentially and that explains um what haku was saying in the first act he said uh he said something along the lines i wrote it down i was taking notes um i can't find it but he says i've known you from a young age or something like that to Chihiro when she first gets there he says I've known you from oh and so that's why I feel like he was inclined obviously to help her but then at the end we see that puzzled piece connected where then Chihiro is just like randomly like I think he's the dragon at this point and she's flying away with him and she's just like oh yeah I know you from the other world I thought that could have been a little bit more developed um like yeah the conversation between the two of them but yeah like you said at that point we were at like the hour 55 minute i didn't need another 15 minutes yeah. there i thought that was a little bit breezed over um but yeah that's nitpicky at that point yeah for sure um one thing just real quick this is kind of a, maybe a teacher thing i thought it was cool that they like your name held so much power like she said uh or not haku says they take your name away from you like 
because it, it kind of changes who you are and she has power over you, you Baba does. I feel like as a teacher, I am constantly, 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 every second saying a kid's name. Like, I, and I, I know I do it. I say kids' names nonstop, all the time, no matter what. Dude, and the value that's attached to a name, like a name is more than just a name for, yeah, it's just, it's your, it's part of your identity. It makes you, you like on days where we're like in our first day and you're doing your icebreakers with kids and you ask them like, Hey, your name might be Tyler, but you go by yeah, uh, Joseph or whatever. Like that's something you need to tell us because that stuff matters. And like when a kid will say, oh, you can call me either or like, I'm not joking. Like, I always get so hung up on that. I'm like, no, which one do you want me to call you? Or what do you want me to refer to you as like that identity? And Dude, like- there's kids that like, I'll, I'll say that. Obviously, we all say that. Tell me what you want to go by. And they won't. And my brother does this. My brother's full name is Lucas. And sometimes he just want to tell people that he goes by Luke. Everybody calls him Luke. And I was like, you can't do that. I have kids that I like hear their friends calling them a different name than I call them. And I, I put a stop to that immediately. I'm like, do you go by this, what your friends are calling you? Cause if I'm the only one calling you by your full name, that's really going to throw me off. That does not work for me. I need to know what people, all people call you. Yes. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. You can't be complacent with people calling you whatever. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what Shahiro learns to connect it back, like with the whole film, like she's trying to find her way. But then obviously towards the end, she finds her way, like her true hero-ness, if you will. And obviously her name holds weight at the end because she was called something different throughout the whole entire film. I thought that was a really cool um, narrative choice that they did with yeah. taking their names. Um, but yeah, Great film, great story all around. I really appreciated this film. Yeah, so um, you want to wrap it up? Give some final thoughts and a score? Yeah, let's do it. Um, you want to go first? You want me to take it away? Um, you go first. All right, so I'll just – I know I've said a lot of good about it. Um, out of 100, I gave this a 94. Um, I initially gave it – right after I watched it, I gave it a 92. Um, And then I thought, I reminded myself, hey, you're not the target audience here. Um, And for me to get this film a 92 right away, I was like, okay, this deserves a little bit more credit. So I gave it a 94. Um, As much as the visual stuff appeals me and like appeals to me and all of the shots, like you could literally take any of the shots, put them on your wall as a painting. Um, I bet there's somebody out there with a spirited away room where it's just shots from the film all over their wall. Um, But I thought that was a beautiful take on the film and just like the artistic choice. Um, What I loved more so even was this story is kind of formulaic for like a kid's story. Like coming of age kid identifies their true strength um but I feel like it did it in a way that was fresh um like obviously the otherworldliness was there and like like we mentioned like from the first scene you're immersed into this other world 
you're going to have fun with this film, but you're also going to take something away from it more than just the visual and the enjoyment of it. So yeah, like we talked about good and evil and the greed and all of that good stuff. So yeah, I think this was a great film. Um, Definitely a great first episode choice for us. And yeah, definitely would recommend to literally everybody. I was thinking of ways that I could potentially use this in film studies. So yeah, two thumbs up from me. All right. Sweet. Uh, Yeah, I agree with I agree with pretty much everything you said. Uh, I actually did the same thing as you. I At first, I gave it a 91, and then I did the same thing. I thought about it. I was like, this movie looks so stinking good. The characters are so complex. I really, I really like the story besides what I mentioned, that the end's pretty quick. So I bumped it. I bumped it all the way up to a 96. Jeez. Um, I know. <laughs> I just... I I definitely I definitely just as a movie watcher I love 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 when I could watch this movie with no sound like I could just I could put this movie on no sound and just watch it and say that again shout out Mac Miller watching movies with the sound off <laughs> um but yeah it's just so it's a beautiful movie and I definitely give movies a a lot of extra points when they're, they're that good looking. Uh, So yeah, I settled on a 96 great movie. And again, I think probably a lot of people get turned off with spirited away and just studio G in general, because it's like, Oh, it's animated and it's uh, a kid's movie kids in air quotes. Um, Cause I don't think this is just a kid's movie. Um, like you said, movie for everybody, everybody could watch this and you might think some of it's weird and different and you don't enjoy, but I think everybody can, yeah, definitely take something away from it. So yeah, 96. Yeah. That's some high praise. It is high praise. It's, it's a good movie. It's a great movie. Great choice. Great choice. Thinking about film, um, what are we, what's going down um, in your film studies class? Right now, film studies, I do this, I do this thing where we do like a genre study. So we look at different genres of movies and just kind of like pick out the qualities in them. And I try and start them with an easy one, one that a genre that they all know, which is science fiction. Mm-hmm. so we we did some stuff with science fiction and right now we're watching a movie and i let them vote all right out of these four choices what do you think they picked yeah. like you said i try and give them some stuff that maybe they haven't seen the first one interstellar which some some kids have have has seen what'd you say that has my vote already uh the second one was arrival have you seen arrival um parts that would be my vote i love that movie uh inception okay and then the last one was dune the new dune that came out they went with what do you think a bunch of high school freshmen picked they picked dune they did pick dune i was honestly kind of surprised because i know it's new and like kids want to see new movies but 
yeah, I was surprised by that. And we're watching it right now. I think I feel like Dune's a movie you either really like or after the first 10 minutes, you're like, oh, I'm just not getting it. I'm, I don't know what's going on. But I was just talking today like, hey, if you don't know what's going on, it's it's a beautiful movie. The cinematography is awesome. The sound is good. Um, Timothy Chalamet for the girls, <laughs> Zendaya for the boys. Like, there's something in there for you. Uh, so, yeah, that's what's going on. Science fiction. No, I love it. That's really cool. I like the... I'm not surprised that they chose Dune. I like the nod. Um, I would have gone Interstellar myself, but... Yeah. Uh, what are you guys doing? Um, we actually just finished up a like a film composition unit. So we were talking about like um, concepts of film production, mise-en-scene, cinematography, um, sound design. And we basically analyzed uh, Casablanca for all of those different elements. Because um, I know that's one that they would not watch on their own. Very uh, much. Yeah, but we talked about that and just kind of how we were dissecting the scenes for those different usage uses. Um, then we are currently more in a thematic unit um, talking about like media manipulation, um, straying away from the politics that can arise with that topic, obviously. Um, but like I, we did a whole like, talk about reality tv and like how producers um, manipulate the reality of that world um i then paired that with then the social dilemma that documentary on netflix um talking about yeah. how like social media curators are going to do everything and anything to keep you addicted and manipulate you to stay on your phone essentially and ultimately we're pairing that with the Truman Show, actually, which we're going to start tomorrow. Um, the Truman Show. Love the Truman Show. Movies. Yeah, dude, it's so good. Um, so my goal is that they'll be able to see some of those thematic connect connections between all of those three talking points. Um, yeah. And I'm sure a lot of kids hadn't seen Truman Show. So um, I definitely think that's a film that everybody should see, too. So, yeah, looking forward to that. No doubt. And... We're about to get to the movie that you're uh, you're gonna pick. We talked about this before we started. You're maybe not too enthused with what you're gonna pick. Here's what I here's what I might suggest. Why don't we just do the Truman Show? You want to do the Truman Show? It's up to you. It's your pick. I'm gonna leave it up to you. I'm good with whatever. But if you're not pumped about the movie you pick, that's just an option. Maybe we could bust out two next week. We are on break. True. Um, I'm down to do two. Um, do we want to announce the other one? Well, let me think. Because Truman Show needs its own episode, no doubt. No, we that's lots of saying, yeah, about two, two different episodes. Which one do you want to do more? We'll, we'll separate them out. Which one do you want to do now? Which one do you want to do later? Mm, I want to do something different. No disrespect to Truman Show. Like I said, it's one of my favorite films. Um, but I feel like I'm going to be watching it like multiple, multiple times. Yeah. By the time I'm done watching it, I'll, I'll want to be done with it for a while. Yeah. But I know that I'm going to like it 
more than the one that we will do. Hmm. A dilemma where we're at right now. I say we first episode. How dare we? Let's just do the one that we decided. Let's stick with our guns and we'll do Truman Show later. Okay, so what are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching the Adam Project. Um, recently released on Netflix. Don't know really anything about it other than it's got, I believe, Ryan Reynolds. Does have Ryan Reynolds. Mark uh, Ruffalo, not as the Hulk. Okay. Um, not too Jennifer much. Garner. Not saying anything to me. Um <laughs> But it'll be interesting. I think it's a new film. Um, it's fresh. We'll see. Um, hey, we're going to be talking about a movie. So what's the worst thing that could come out of it? Exactly. And we can't talk about good movies always. Sometimes it's good to talk about and I've seen it already, so I, I won't say anything. But sometimes it's good to talk about movies that are like middle of the road or bad or it's, it, I feel like it's kind of easy to talk about great movies. Oh, 100%. So we got we to gotta challenge ourselves a little bit. Yeah. Keep us on our toes. Yeah. So the Adam Project will be keeping us on our toes. So stay tuned for that. Any All right. Adam Project it? next week. Anything else? Um, that was fun, man. I liked that. That was cool. That was fun. Um, no, I think I'm good. Stay solid the rest of the week. Watch some good movies. Back at you. Four more days, we can do it. Yes, sir. All righty, brother. I will talk to you later. All right. All right. Peace out. Peace out.